Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again with another episode of the Knollcast. Uh, Bud had some fantastic feedback from our uh, recently released episode about the uh, booster structure situation and how that might evolve over the next couple of years. That's something that we won't uh, dedicate another entire episode to, but we do have a kind of a follow-up planned maybe in the next two to three episodes that uh, we're still looking to talk to some people, uh, get a couple different perspectives, but uh, appreciate everybody's feedback. If there's a particular uh, part of the booster, uh, just the booster situation in general that you'd like for us to cover or uh, give extra consideration to, let us know. And that's something that we will try to circle back and uh, touch on again. But thank you again to everybody that listened. Uh, had a lot of had a lot of good uh, discussion that came out as a as a byproduct of that episode. Uh, want to thank Louisiana Hot Sauce as always. Fantastic partner for us. Fantastic product that we get to speak about. Three simple ingredients. One fantastic product. And uh, want to always begin the podcast with a hat tip to them. Uh, but. Hey, look, it sounds like we're on a uh, decent little roll here in recruiting. I picked up another uh, quality commitment recently, and uh, why don't we go ahead and begin today's podcast with a little bit of discussion of one uh, Jayon McCluster. A linebacker, a linebacker out of Largo, Florida, so credit to this one goes to uh, to Raymond Woody, linebacker's coach, a four-star kid, uh, sort of on the borderline of three and four stars, looks like in, in, in the rankings. Uh, we, had, we had a good listener question about rankings, which we'll hit in the next episode, but uh, looks like a good player to me. I've seen him in person a couple of times. Uh, decent athlete. I, I don't think he's a freaky athlete. Pretty physical kid, which doesn't show in camps, but if you actually uh, watch his film or, or you know, even if you don't have full huddle access, if, if you just watch his highlight tape, uh, he, he is a, a physical player. He's willing to take on blocks. He's a pretty good tackler. Uh, I, I would like to see him in, in – Maybe inside more. I know they, they've talked to him about playing some of that star position. My my question with him is, is the overall level of athleticism, I I think. But I don't think he's a slug by any means. Uh, I, I think he's a good take at this point. A player who they wanted, certainly, and who wanted in. But from my understanding, they could have had his commitment maybe a month ago. However, he... Uh, wanted to continue to take visits and check some stuff out. And under the new policy, they're really trying to make sure that the kids they get are are locked in, right? If, if you are committed to Florida State, you're not supposed to be taking other visits elsewhere. And so he still wanted to go check out, I think, Auburn and Miami, who were the top two contenders to sign him. And ultimately, uh, he ends up going with Florida State. Now, he is, I believe, the cousin of, of uh, Dexter McCluster. Do you remember Dexter McCluster? He was a receiver at Ole Miss and then played for, I believe, the Steelers before becoming injured. But he was an excellent college player at receiver. I do remember him. Yeah, really, really good player. Pretty electric kid. So, uh, look, wherever he finishes in the rankings, whether it's top 300, top 200, top 400, I think this is a good take for your class. It also means you are – you're pretty stacked at linebacker right now, which – Lord, do they need it. Keyshawn Green, Jayon, um, Stephen Dix, they're they're doing really well at linebacker. They'll, they'll continue to pursue Savelle Smalls, your, your five-star kid out of the Seattle area. But a good start for them at linebacker. Uh, y'all, y'all know my, my concerns some about ceiling with what they're doing right now. 
But man, they, they are really uh, improving the floor at some of these positions with, with, with the kids they're bringing in, right? I, I don't think that you're going to see some sort of collapse talent-wise with what they're bringing in. And they're bringing a lot, in a lot of guys who who like football, right? Kids who take a lot of reps at camps, kids who who want to play, uh, and and kids who are not all about projection. So I, uh, it's a little bit of foreshadowing into some of the stuff that we'll get into in today's conversation, uh, I know, because it's been it's been interesting. Uh, McCluster's a nice combination. He, he does a lot for your for your floor certainly, but he's not just a floor kid. He, he may not have, uh, you know, he may he may not be uh, a five star prospect with the, with the highest of upsides, but he, he's got a lot lot left to add to his game as well. So, a uh, really solid prospect. Uh, I I give credit to this staff for uh, addressing the the linebacker uh, issue. Uh, not that it was one that was very hard to figure out had to be dealt with, but they've uh, thrown a lot of numbers at it and anytime you beat a kid that that Miami was fairly uh, convinced they were going to end up signing, I'm uh, I'm also going to uh, send you a big thumbs up in your direction for that as well. So a really nice addition to the class, uh, and it's um, it's just nice to see the the other members of this class, the buy-in that they have, the role that they've played in recruiting kids on social media. Uh, there's still some things that this staff has to work out and figure out and get more organized about, uh, but I'll give them a lot of credit for what they've done in this year's class, and they've got a they've got a lot of people that are working. Uh, extra time that are <laughs> that are fellow recruits as well so uh some some real good chemistry that seems to exist and uh they have a really nice start and a decent amount of momentum behind them uh in their second class here or i guess their their second full class uh so well done there uh in that regard and look there's no prize for second place so i also give them credit for getting on kids who they can actually sign right i i think Almost everybody in this class right now, I would label as solid to very solid, right? We know that that, that Georgia and some others are, are, are coming after Jamori Tate pretty hard, your, your, your top player in the class. I don't know if you hold on to him or not. I, I think you will, but I'm not 100% convinced of that. But they're, after last year, if they had started going after a ton of like stud studs, you know, top 100 types who they're not going to sign coming off a five and seven year, I would have been really sort of concerned. I think that they are in their sweet spot right now. And if you were to have a, a great year, like if you were to go 10 and two somehow, which I don't think is going to happen, I'd probably put like a, I don't know, 5% likelihood on that. Or something, it's it's at the very top of their percentile range, if you will. Then maybe you can cash in on some of those really elite relationships. But they're getting a lot of kids in that top two hundred, top three hundred range, which should set them up uh, to have a, a a pretty nice class. Not a Clemson class, but you, you have uh, to me, you have some more reasonable. Uh, opponents you need to catch up to first. Clemson's probably a four or five year long term plan if you're going to catch those guys. To me, fair enough. Uh, so I really look forward to it. This is kind of the type of year where we take a step back, don't pay maybe quite as much attention to the uh, the immediate here and now, and we get to uh, kind of sink our teeth into a, a little bit of a, a broader issue. And uh, I don't know that I 
could have a, a better co-host to uh, to go over some of this stuff. We've got a large stack of numbers, and this is basically going to be a thorough review of uh, all 188 kids that signed um, with Jimbo Fisher during his time in Tallahassee, and uh, or we'll look at 188, and just give an idea as to how they did, and we'll have a lot of talk about hit rate, culture, uh, things that are sustainable, things that are not um It'd just be a good, good little review, and uh, and hopefully give you a little bit of perspective as to uh, current recruiting and just exactly what you have to do to stock a roster that can ultimately go out and be competitive and play at a championship level. I, I, I keep a spreadsheet that looks at every single guy that Florida State has signed, and I keep my own little notes on them. Part of it's to uh, to be able to, if I'm writing a story or something, or if I'm doing a podcast, I, I want to be able to pull it up and say, okay. What has this guy's history been so far? And and I have different categories once they complete their career, you know, basically to where they are in their career. I have uh, complete, which means that player either completed his eligibility uh, or got a degree. And, and so if he transferred, it was a grad transfer, right? I have did not qualify. I have dismissed, which I include under either academic dismissal or a behavioral dismissal. Uh, I have early NFL, which is the player decided to turn pro early, regardless of whether he was drafted, um, which helps to cloud the fact that I know some of these guys personally were probably going to fail out and not be eligible for their senior year. But, uh, you know, including some guys who probably should have played linebacker and not running back. Anyway, medical disqualification if the player's career uh, ended via medical DQ and then transferred. So if a player transferred, that was not a grad transfer. Uh, and then I also have on track. So I'm going to run through these, and this is going to be me talking for a long while, uh, but I just want you all to listen and see if you can pick up on some trends, right? And I won't necessarily comment in depth on every player, but uh, I'll, I'll comment on a lot of them. So we're going to start with the 2010 recruiting class. Jimbo's first class, 2010. LaMarcus Joyner, three-year starter, stud. Christian Jones, three-year starter. Jeff Luck, a uh, lot of injury luck. Probably maxed out, to be honest, coming out of high school a little bit. Did not grasp defense uh, at FSU. Transferred to Cincinnati. Kenny Shaw, a uh, pretty good player for an entire career. Christian Green, uh, redshirt as a freshman, kind of got hurt. Never really got the offense. This is going to be a theme we'll see developing with some receivers. And uh, he did complete his time there. Darius Cummings transferred, couldn't track the rotation. Ended up being an okay guy with UF, Greg Dent. Uh, was dismissed. They, they were really high on him, but he obviously had the whole uh, uh, sexual assault, either allegation or arrest. I'm trying to remember what it, what it was exactly, but it was it was an incident for sure. Um, not really sure what the ultimate um, adjudication on that was. Telvin Smith, absolute stud. Mike Harris, they got all they could out of him, to be honest, as, as, as a DB. To Joshua Johnson, never qualified. They thought they were misled about, about his academics, by the way, back in the day. Jared Hagens, uh, decent reserve player, often injured. Chad Abram, uh, who they, they got as a DV, but they converted to fullback, ended up being a, a very good fullback for his uh, his one one uh, year and scored a, a touchdown in the natty. Uh, Terrence Brooks, excellent player, still in the NFL as a good player. Holmes on Wukafe, kid they got out of Texas, linebacker back in the day. Battled injury, really couldn't crack the rotation. Damian Jacobs did not qualify. Went to JUCO and ended up signing with UF. You know, they actually UF got two uh, JUCO D linemen who initially signed with FSU 
in 2010 in Jacobs and uh, Darius Cummings. Tank Sessions was a tight end. Uh, he got hurt almost immediately and uh, medically disqualified out. Dan Foose, uh, medical DQ, never, ever played, really, uh, that I can remember. DeParle Smiley, uh, reserve fullback. They got a Juco. We were all pretty excited about him at the time and never really cracked the rotation. Cam Irving uh, moved from TT to offensive lineman and uh, was a decent draft choice. I think he's still in the league, so that's that's good for him. Um, or maybe he's not, but I, I thought he was as, as of last year. Nigel Terrell, uh, athletic linebacker from Birmingham. He was a grad transfer. Uh, never really got in the rotation, but he got his degree. Clint Trickett, y'all remember him. He uh, played some, was a backup. Ended up starting one year at West Virginia, I think. Will Ty, uh, they, man, they did not do a good job of developing him. And I don't think he had the mentality to be developed when he was in town, actually. And then he, once he transferred, uh, he's still in the league. Bjorn Warner, early NFL draft pick, got hurt almost immediately in the NFL, but uh, All-American for Florida State. Anthony McLeod, uh, starter for like 30 games at nose guard. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to comment on the overall classes, really. Just I want you all to kind of keep these impressions and, and see in your in your mind, and Ingram, you as well, how they change as I continue reading these. Okay, 2011, Carlos Williams uh, probably should have played – Offense, to be honest, did not have great reactive quickness. I thought he had better overall skills, and, and we said so at the time. James Wilder Jr., there's their their other five star. I think he should have played linebacker, uh, but they, they were both decent players for FSU. Um, Timmy Jernigan, stud, complete stud. Tank Carradine, stud. Nick O'Leary, stud. Kelvin Benjamin, year one, nothing. The the, the final year, total stud. Bobby Hart. Four-year starter, uh, J- Jacob Ferenkrug, reserve for the most part, started some in 2011. Rashad Green, uh, w- one of the best receivers in FSU history. Now Lawrence Stample, when he was healthy, pretty good player, uh, started a couple games. Uh, Josue Matias started 40 games at guard and uh, ended up going pro. Derek Mitchell got hurt a lot, but uh, w- w- was a decent player as an upperclassman when he was healthy. Georgia Newberry, a guy who, uh, hey, I think he played DN, tight end, D-tackle, and maybe offensive line for a minute. Never really was a big-time starter, but uh, was a good senior. Devontae Freeman, early NFL, total stud. Nick Waysom, uh 2012 starter, but then they had a lot more talent in 2013, so he got he got benched, but, but he got his degree. Tyler Hunter, the injury hurt him, I think, to be honest. He was a total stud in high school, but uh, he, he was a multi-year starter for them. Eric Beverly, running back out of Jacksonville area, medically disqualified. Jordan Presswood, transferred out. Kind of was a, a bit of a head case, to be honest. He wanted to be with Aaron Lynch, so he was only here for the spring and got homesick at, at Notre Dame and then enrolled at UCF. And I don't know if he ever actually ended up doing something, but – he had a lot of talent, man. If he could just keep his head on straight and uh, and focus on him, uh, Keelan Smith, a reserve defensive back, but he, he got his degree. Decent player when they needed him. Terrence Smith, three year starter at linebacker. When he was healthy, he was pretty good. I think he's still in the NFL with the Chiefs, I believe. Uh, Jacob Coker, obviously won a national championship with Alabama uh, after uh, after transferring because of a guy named Jameis. He was injured a lot, but when he was healthy, the, the talent was pretty clear. Sterling Lovelady, uh, reserve offensive lineman, 
I'm not saying he could have been a stud or anything like that, but but he did not. He was not able to redshirt in 2011 because of all the offensive line injuries, and I think that hurt a lot of these guys' development initially. Uh, he's actually in law, or he went to law school. I don't, I don't know if he's practicing now, but yeah, he, that's what my notes say. Trey Pettis, uh, super soft. Not really sure he wanted to play football. Um, transferred out. Ruben Carter, offensive lineman. Decent player, uh, transferred to Akron. Trey Jackson, defensive tackle, ended up being a 40-game starter at guard. Terry Bell, defensive tackle, was a signing place, uh, did not qualify. I, I don't even know if he ended up at a JUCO, man. That was a, that was a sad situation. That kid had a ton of ability. I just couldn't focus. LaMarcus Brutus, uh, complete, played his career. Arrington Jenkins, uh, I think he stole a dirt bike, right? And he gave the famous quote about, like, like if it's not locked down, I'm taking it or whatever. Remember that? <laughs> what I mean, this is this is certainly bringing back some nice nostalgia uh, of various situations and uh, players that uh, had, a, had a few hilarious transgressions and none more funny than, than Mr. Jenkins deciding that uh, anything that wasn't fully secured was uh, was open material for him to use in his opinion. Yeah. Uh, oh, Jenkins told police he just saw the bike sitting here in the street and told them anyone who leaves a motorcycle out in the open should expect to have it stolen. So that was uh, – he did get booted. I don't think we would have booted him, to be honest, if he had not give that excellent quote. Although he was going to have academic issues, I'm pretty sure, anyway. Uh, and he had some adjustment issues going from his culture to uh, a college campus culture. Uh, Austin Barron – Never really played a whole lot, uh, got, got his degree, transferred out. Okay, 2012. Eddie Goldman, stud, first rounder, Jameis Winston, y'all have heard of him. Mario Edwards, you've heard of him. Ukeme Alegwe, uh, multiple, I think, drug test issues it was, and, and he uh, he ended up being dismissed. And, and he's in the league now, actually. They, they did a good job hitting on, on talent in this class so far. Chris Kasher uh, was in the news <laughs> For a number of reasons, never really realized his potential. Mario Pender was uh, dismissed. Uh, okay, multiple injuries. Academics took 2013 from him. 2014, he had another domestic violence arrest. That was a known issue that when they took that kid, and uh, they just could not keep him straight. Ronald Darby, early NFL stud. Christo Corzitis was kind of soft and uh, kind of battled some homesickness and I think he transferred after James Coley left, if I recall the timeline on that. P.J. Williams and James Coley was FSU's old tight ends coach, for, for those wondering. Uh, P.J. Williams, defensive back, elite corner, early NFL. Colin Blake, kid out of Texas, uh, repeated injuries, medically disqualified him. Marvin Bracey, receiver, was probably the fastest man in, in college football when, they, when he actually played college football. The, he had a little hamstring injury and then... He was kind of like, screw this, I'm going to turn pro in track. And uh, they never thought he liked to play football that much, actually, uh, from talking with the prior staff. Reggie Northrop, linebacker, had a lot of uh, effectiveness limited limit, <coughs> excuse me, limited by injury. Justin Shanks, uh, weight issues the entire time, but, but did get his degree. Defensive tackle out of Alabama, four-star. Uh, Daniel Glauser was a uh, JUCO kid that they got. They thought they were going to get two years out of him, but the NCAA just gave him one. Which, uh, which which hurt him some. He might have been okay as a senior if, if they were able to get two years, but they're, um, they were unable to. 
for, for whatever reason. I, I think he had played with some kind of Swiss team or something, if I recall. And it was yeah. There was some kind of European semi-pro situation that took a took a. I remember that taking a year away from him. There were two guys like that, or three guys like that actually. But the Corey Surrency had played with like a, a competitive flag football team or some nonsense back in like oh seven oh eight, or maybe it was oh nine, and they they only did, let him do that. Um, Dalvin Stuckey never qualified. He ended up going to Arizona State, I think. Menelik Watson, offensive lineman, three star JUCO kid. Early, early to the NFL, I think he's still in the league. Roberto Aguayo, the best kicker in Florida State history by, I think, a lot. Uh, I'm sure Seabass in, in his recent retirement would disagree with that. Uh, Sean McGuire, decent backup. Now he's a, a grad assistant, I think, at Texas A&M. Case uh, and Beatty, pretty bad for his first three years and very good as a punter for his final uh, season. So he really turned it on there. Okay, 2013, we are halfway through. Jalen Ramsey, five-star, stud. Matthew Thomas, injuries and suspensions. But when he when he played, he was very talented. He just, you know, he, he's in the league now. EJ Levenberry, linebacker, four-star, transferred after 2014, so it only lasted two years. Ira Denson, offensive lineman, was involved in a shooting of, uh, was it Mario Pender's relative? Because they stole some sneakers in response to an unpaid debt. Right, wasn't that how that escalated? It was mm-hmm. somebody somebody had used unauthorized credit card use, yeah. I think, which yeah. is basically just stealing, and then somebody in retaliation took somebody's sneakers, and then in response to that, I think Pender's relative got shot. Right? Yeah, it was, yeah, I, I remember the the bones of the situation, and the, that was pretty much it. There was gunplay between teammates for sure. Or at least between teammates and their relatives, mm-hmm. like involved and in the associates. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ryan Green, really, honestly, like never stayed fully healthy. Multiple position changes, but but got his degree. Uh, Levante Whitfield had a pretty big return in, in, in a game against Auburn uh, some years back. Two year starter in slot. Demarcus Walker, pretty good player all four years. He's still in the league at defensive end. Isaiah Jones transferred. Freddie Stevenson. Recruited as a linebacker, but uh, starter at fullback three years. Not necessarily a great player, but he was okay. Keith Bryant uh, was dismissed. Had work ethic issues, injuries, etc. Um, defensive tackle, four-star. Marquez White, good player, multi-year starter, four-star corner. Jeremy Kerr, medical disqualification as a three-star tight end. John Franklin, three-star athlete, transferred. Uh, he was on last chance U completely unrealistic expectations and understanding of his own skill set. I mean, big time. Thought he was a quarterback. No chance. Tyrell Lyons, medical qualification, three-star DB out of Jacksonville. Nate Andrews, three-star DB. Uh, Not a good player, but was a starter at times, which reflected the talent drop-off after the national championship team. Uh, Ryan Hofeld, three-star offensive lineman. He was a reserve uh, center. Desmond Holland, a Juco signee, never starter, but contributor somewhat. Roderick Hoskins, uh, I think he started about 15, 16 games in 15 and 16, three-star linebacker. Wilson Bell, three-star offensive lineman, never really clicked with with Trickett, from what I understand, and uh, he ended up transferring, grad transferring to Auburn after he got his degree and was a starter at Auburn, and they were pretty happy with him. Uh, Jesus Wilson, He's on the Bucks now. He, he completed his eligibility, I, I think. 
Uh, and Devarez Bryant, he did not qualify. Man, Jimbo was hot about that one. He he was he was telling me one summer because I, I I had this chart and I actually went over it with him about you know his hit rate and whatnot. And we had this conversation literally after the national championship game. And uh, I had told him that I thought their hit rate was uh, was extremely high and perhaps unsustainably high. And he was not happy about that at all. And uh, and and uh, basically, he also was like pretty mad. I, I, I guess I can tell the story now. He was pretty mad that that I was showing him these, these percentages that that I had, you know, because I kept it on the spreadsheet. And he's like, "Well, I, that's not a miss by me. That that's that that's completely on the NCAA, just absolutely screwing a kid. I that, that, I don't think that should be on my chart." And it was about the it was about Devarius Bryant because the kid. Uh, they had not let him in uh, to school. I don't think he ever ended up doing anything. He had some some good athleticism. That was kind of a flyer they took at the end there. And the other, I think there was one more. He was he was uh, disagreeing with me about how I had him classified. But uh, I think so far these are pretty accurate. Anyway, more accurate was the, uh, the hit rate concerns <laughs> that that I brought up that he found unjustified. Uh, Dalvin Cook. <clears throat> 2014, stud. Irma Lane, five-star, never lived up to his potential, really, and was probably overrated as a recruit, to be honest. I uh, was kind of maxed out as a junior in high school. Good good player for the team, though. Travis Rudolph, good player. Jacob Pugh, four-star linebacker, bust, to be honest, considering his ranking. Kane Dobb, linebacker, came in really fat, was dismissed slash transferred almost immediately. Derek Nottie, multi-year starter, NFL. Rod Johnson, multi-year starter, early NFL. Demarcus Christmas, four-star D tackle, multi-year starter. Trey Marshall, uh, multi-year contributor as a four-star DB, injury issues. Delvin Purifoy, man, another linebacker here with injury issues. His leg just exploded like the first month on campus, and he was never the same. They kept him on scholarship for four years, though, I believe. Chad Mavity had uh, health issues, four-star offensive lineman, which ended his career. I think it was a heart condition, but... I don't know if that was related to his weight, but he was very heavy uh, for a time. Javon Harrison uh, transferred out. I, I don't know if he failed out or not. I think he just, quote-unquote, transferred out. But uh, he couldn't stay healthy either. Four-star receiver out of, like, the Lakeland area. Lorenzo Featherston, four-star defensive end. Medical disqualification, knee injury, busted him out. Really couldn't stay healthy at all. J.J. Costantino uh, got his degree. I'm not sure he ever, ever really developed in college. Corey Martinez, uh, four-star offensive lineman, definitely did not live up to his his ranking. I think he's got a good job now, and he got his degree. Maven Saunders, uh, they took an athletic kid. They thought they could make him into a tight end, and uh, they did not develop him. He transferred to Kansas where he actually caught some balls. But uh, Rick Leonard, three-star defensive end, ended up playing offensive lineman final year, uh, and uh, the Saints picked him up. I don't know if he's still on the Saints or not, but I know he, he got drafted, I think, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah, I think he's a fourth or fifth round pick, if I remember correctly. Hey, that's 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 a decent little signing bonus. Uh, Alec Everly, career's complete, started for four years. That's probably as good of a commentary on this program as I, as I can imagine. Ryan Izzo, at least recently. Ryan Izzo, three-star tight end, multi-year starter. Uh, Kareem R, three, three-star offensive lineman, multi-year starter. Jonathan Vickers, uh, running back, was a reserve his entire time. Now he's out. I think he got his degree. Brock Rubel, grad transfer to Toledo. He tore his ACL early in his career. I think that hurt his development a little bit. 
Malik Jackson, uh, reserve corner grad transfer. Derek Kelly, guy who also got hurt a lot, but but played pretty well when he was healthy. And and he just his skills kind of slowly degraded over time. Got his degree. Adam Torres. I didn't understand why they took him at the time, and I still don't today. Uh, he never – I'm not saying he never played it down, but, I, Lord, he, he never contributed a, a thing on, on the field, and he got five years of scholarship. So, you know, good for him, man. That's that's working the system. Ethan Ethan Frith, uh, I, I, he quit the team kind of soft, and uh, I'm not sure he was going to be eligible. Arthur Williams, uh, three-star defensive tackle. Career complete, uh, moved offensive lineman, guy who needed needed a high ceiling kid who needed a lot of development, didn't get it. Fred Jones, uh, pretty key reserve throughout his career as a, as a three star D tackle. Next class, we only have three more. We're only going through 2017, obviously. Durbin James, he doesn't suck. Uh, one of the best DBs in FSU history. Josh Sweat, two year starter despite a crazy devastating high school knee injury early NFL. Tavares McFadden, early NFL. One good year as a starter, one pretty sketch year as a starter. George Campbell, the other five-star in his class, couldn't stay healthy at all, man. It was just injury after injury after injury. Also, his major concern coming out of high school was catching the football. And uh, he didn't really – I don't know that he got enough reps in practice because he was always hurt to to really work on that. He, he grad transferred to Penn State. Good luck to George, man. I, I like George Campbell a lot. Really nice kid when you talk to him. Very tough background he came from, and and I, man, I hope he does something really, really well with that with that grad degree, and, and I hope he stays healthy and does a good job for Penn State this year. I, I like him a lot. Jacques Patrick, uh, four star running back contributor, kind of maxed out in high school. I, I have noticed a trend here. Sometimes they would take bigger body guys at certain positions, and it did seem like they were kind of maxed out. So Jacques Patrick, uh, Jeff Luck, EJ Levenberry. I, I'm i not a big fan of these big high school backs and these big high school linebackers anymore. That, that's something I've definitely evolved in my scouting approach. I, I'd, I'd rather have a guy who's like 205, 210, and then put 15 pounds on him if I have to in college because it Patrick just didn't have the, the foot quickness, you know, to, to be an elite player. He went undrafted, which didn't surprise me. Okay, DeAndre Francois, uh, really bad teammate, bad leader, not a good person. Uh I never thought he was that great, and people gave me a lot of hell for it at the time because he was very inaccurate in high school, and uh, I don't think accuracy is a thing that you can totally fix. Okay, he got kicked off, by the way. Uh, the, he, he's, he's gone. You guys might have heard about that. These players are all a little more recent. Devontae Phillips, uh, who was hanging out <laughs> with the under-Francois during that one spring game after he was sort of suspended slash dismissed for money order fraud, uh, uh, allegedly. Abdul Bello, reserve offensive lineman uh, from Africa. Very, very high upside, very low floor kid. Huge range of possible outcomes with him. He blew his knee out early in his career after redshirting. This is a kid that needed needed development big time. And I think that injury set him back to the point where he's never going to be anything. Uh, Marcus Lewis transferred out. He started for a little while as a star was benched and he transferred. Darvin Taylor, uh, that shoulder is just shot. Medical disqualification, four-star D-tackle. Auden Tate, kind of two iffy years and then one elite year in 2017, early to the NFL, and I think he's still with the Bengals. 
Shamar Kilby Lane, linebacker, dismissed from the program for, I believe, academics. Calvin Bruton, four-star DB, career complete. He was a reserve, and I think we always thought he would be a reserve. They, they kind of took him, in my opinion, because of, of Devontae and, and Dalvin and a bunch of those central guys. Um, although he, to me, he to me was not one of those dudes who hung with that crowd that was always getting in trouble, despite the fact he was from that same high school. Lorenzo Phillips, a Juco linebacker, NCAA only gave him one year of eligibility. This is like the third time that this has happened, by the way. They thought they'd have two years and only got one. Quarterback DeAndre Johnson, um, you all saw the video. It's the, I mean, we've talked about this before. It's, it's, abhor- it's abhorrent, but also it's the clearest bar video that you'll ever see. Um, if you want to commit a crime, do not do it inside Yanni's. Is Yanni still a thing? Because, man, that, they, they've got like 1080p. For, for their security cameras, big time. Uh, if you bartend at Yanni's, definitely don't, don't don't have your hand in the till. They'll catch you. A.J. Westbrook, defensive back. Uh, by the way, this is two quarterbacks in this class who ended up either being bad people or made really bad decisions involving uh, women. And, and, we, and we haven't even gotten to a third. Not in this class, but uh, pr- proximity. Uh, so A.J. Westbrook, uh, three-star DB. I, I would say a valuable reserve. Never really a uh, uh, a great great player by any means. Jalen Wilkerson switched from tight end to defensive end. Entered the NFL draft early, which I understood, but obviously wasn't going to get picked because he wasn't any good. Uh, Cole Minshew, three-star offensive lineman, major injury plagued career, multiple concussions, ankle injuries, etc. Could be a starter this year. We'll see. David Robbins, medical disqualification due to the off or due to I think concussions, but he got his degree. Uh, Nyquan Murray, three-star receiver, terrible teammate. Ended up being a good player when he was on the field, disruptive in practice. Overall, he also did not get drafted, and I'm not surprised. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that the prior head coach or the current head coach said something to an NFL teams, but man, it, it, if you had been a scout at practice over the last couple of years, I, I don't think that uh, that you're writing down high remarks on any Murray and. Guys who are 5'10 are kind of dime a dozen in the league, unless you're really, really, you know, Antonio Brown special. All right. He also hung out with with DeAndre and Devontae, and there was a couple other kids, and they just, man, it. the group that hung out together sort of just, it was like, like a force multiplier of bad decisions and bad behavior, and, and they were reinforcing each other uh, with, with those decisions. Most of those kids have cycled out, I will say, as you'll see here coming up. No, you picking up on any trends here so far, Ingram? It's a, <clears throat> yeah, been a bit of interesting uh, look through and certainly uh, maybe not quite as successful as some of the first classes we talked about. All right. So Levante Taylor, five-star. Uh, I would say so far he's been a bust as far as living up to five-star potential, but he's likely going to be a starter this year, I, I think. We'll see on that. Landon Dickerson, five-star offensive lineman. Always hurt, but when he's healthy, he's their best lineman. Bavion Johnson, four-star lineman. Old staff did not really develop him and click with him. He was not in shape frequently. He also got hurt a little bit. New staff has confidence they can get something out of him. We'll see. Brian Burns, four-star defense lineman stud. Early early uh, entry to the NFL, and he got picked in the first round. Excellent decision. Malik Henry, four-star quarterback. Substance issues, trust issues as far as uh, property of teammates and whatnot, I believe. And uh, 
I, I don't know if he's still playing anywhere right now, but but he was just a complete mess by the time he got to campus. And we, we've covered this many times. Some people think that the staff should have seen these issues happening before. I don't actually fully agree with that. I think that part of their thing was due to the earliness of the quarterback calendar when they took him, they were kind of stuck. However, when you view it, when you view it in totality uh, with the other two quarterbacks you took the prior year, um, we'll, we'll we'll discuss this in in the trends conversation. Janarius Robinson again, low floor, high ceiling kid, a lot of potential variance as to what he could be. It needed development. I think he's a kid who's been robbed so far by the developmental deficit. Dontavious Jackson, another big-bodied linebacker coming out of high school. He's a decent player, but he's not a special player, right? Decent leader so far, which is good. Keith Gavin, four-star receiver. Issues understanding what routes to run and issues catching the ball. Freaky athlete, though. Nasir Upshur has transferred out. Uh, I never understood his four-star ranking, by the way. That was kind of a Tim Brewster special. He would always hype him up, and I, I... I didn't get it. I, I saw him at the at the uh, Under Armour All-America game check-in. And I was like, this kid? Okay, whatever. Uh, good blocker, though, when, when he was in the game. Carlos Becker, confidence and injury issues throughout. Uh, potentially could still be something. Juwan Williams, offensive lineman, uh, seems to have major like mental issues as far as understanding the game. A lot of injuries. Right now, complete bust as a four-star. Josh Ball, Dismissed for violence against women. Amir Rasul transferred out running back. Uh, Kyle Myers, four-star defensive back out of Louisiana. Decent player, but not a guaranteed starter. Cedric Wood, defensive lineman. Injuries have just totally crushed his career. Again, man, their D-line recruiting, as far as the the luck goes, for that 15-16 uh, range with Darvin and Cedric Wood at D-tackle, both those guys just got nuked by injuries. It was, it was disappointing. Josh Brown, four-star linebacker, uh, some injury issues, I believe. Also, you know, some people weren't really sure how much he loved football uh, early on in his career. I, From what I understand, he's practicing better now. Wally Ime, three-star defensive lineman, decent reserve out of JUCO or prep, I believe. They, they, they got what they could out of him. Mike Arnold, kind of a lack of focus and dedication at times as far as being consistent giving consistent effort from play to play that if you've been in a practice you you can hear him being yelled at and it, it's just not consistent uh three-star offensive line Andrew Rosselli actually quit football so pretty obvious dedication and maturity issues transferred and then came back as a walk-on Logan Tyler Ricky Guayu uh two kickers slash punter has been pretty decent Gabe Neighbors three-star tight end decent reserve Four-star backer Shavar Manuel did not qualify. Four-star defensive end Keon Joyner did not qualify. They were on a pretty good run of getting kids qualified for a while there, and then and then these two popped up. Okay, fine, final class, right? When, and it, we skipped like, uh, we skipped Emmett Rice accidentally. So another oh, another linebacker with injury issues. So yes, yes, we did. Apologies. Uh, Cam Akers, uh, five-star running back, very good player. Marvin Wilson, elite player. Josh Kando, five-star defensive lineman. So far, you'd have to label him as, as an incredible bust, and they, they need to get something out of him. We'll see if they can. A lot of injuries so far. Kalen LeBourne, major injury, kind of presents questions about what he'll be. Uh, but I, I was glad to see him back in the spring game running back. Stanford Samuels, high-floor player, 
I want to see if he's got another level so far as a DB. Was not great last year in his role. I think he'll be better this year as a corner. DJ Matthews, kind of maturity issues throughout his career so far, but Willie Taggart praised him uh, in, in, in you know, a recent uh, tour stop, and I believe at the spring game as well. Cyrus Fagan, defensive back, had some injury and uh, kind of lack of physicality issues early, but could be a starter in 2019. Four-star DB. Hompson Asfeldine, four-star DB. He's on track to be a contributor. Jalen Parks, four-star defensive lineman. Man, his ankle and, and, and shoulder have really, really hampered his career. That's three years in a row, a D-tackle they, they, they took. Had a big-time injury issue. Uh, Zaquandre White hung out with that Francois Murray Phillips crowd. And, uh, uh, well, Phillips, I don't think was on the team by the time he got here, but he was definitely still around campus some. And uh, guess what? He was dismissed. That was absolutely the wrong crowd for him to hang with, considering what we knew about him coming out of high school. It, it just, it, it was, that culture that kind of festered was bad. Uh, Leonard Warner, four-star linebacker. Instincts slash feel questions, I, I think, have really hurt him some. Probably has not been helped a whole lot by the linebacker coaching that, that's been on this team for the last couple of years. Uh, now an edge rusher. Bailey Hockman, quarterback, four-star transfer. Okay, now onto the three stars. Tamari and Terry, elite receiver. Corey Durden, I don't know why he was a three-star. He should have been a four-star anyway, but he's been very good as a tackle. Probably a starter this year. James Blackman, quarterback. Could end up being a three-year starter. Trey McKitty, probably going to be a three-year starter. Tied in. Adonis Thomas, linebacker. Just, he's soft. He doesn't like contact. And and, and he doesn't deliver the blow. Juco kid, but I, uh, he's going to get his degree, it looks like. So that, that's awesome. Alexander Marshall, not sure he, the tight end, three-star was in the transfer portal, then decided to stay. We'll see how he fits this new system. Uh, Pookie Wilson, Ontario Wilson, three-star receiver. Pretty good so far, relative to expectations. Trey Lawson, uh, defensive lineman, three stars. Complete knucklehead was was kicked out. Uh, Brady Scott, three-star offensive lineman. Could be a multi-year starter. Um, Probably not a guy who should have played this early in his career, with the exception that the offensive lineman has been so bad that they needed him. He was a guy, I think, that maybe a red shirt and a sit year and a sit year build up in the weight room, develop. Maybe he could be a, a, a starter for you as like a red shirt junior, red shirt senior, but uh, that's not the case. And Kalen Brooks is uh, tiny and not a good player. I'm saying not a good player. He's not, he's not his dad for sure, but we, but we knew he wouldn't be. All right. So where do you want to start? Because that's that's a lot of read off uh, for me. I, I, I did not realize it was going to take thirty three minutes. I thought I thought I could do it in twenty, and I was still talking pretty quick. I think it's just an interesting walk down memory lane to begin with, and it uh, does give you a good idea. Certainly aided uh, the two of us with a spreadsheet in front of us, but just the general listen gives you an idea of kind of the the degradation of hit rate uh, successes, uh, major contributors here, uh, kids that were picked uh, in the NFL. Just interesting to watch <clears throat> that process play itself out and kind of the uh, the funnel of success seemed to get smaller and smaller uh, the further that you went into the uh, the class history there. So, I, man, look, we took a lot of heat for saying that their hit rate was unsustainably high. Remember that? Absolutely. The other just one overall uh, thing that I'd add is that you've had 
screw-ups slash misevaluation slash bad luck has been incredibly clustered on this roster at certain position groups. Uh, and it became even more more evident the further that you went into the class history there. At, at certain positions. I, I want to talk about that close to the end because I, I think that's something we need to hit on for sure. So obvious leadership issues, right, in, in a couple different ways. Number one, the head coach was, was kooked, okay? The strength coach got a DUI uh, really late at night, an interesting area of town. And I think that players lost respect for him in some ways. The head coach, like I already said, checked out. And refusing to fire a bunch of his buddies uh, who he did not take with him to Texas A&M and yet also, like, doesn't even talk to anymore, so, which is crazy, like, how loyal he was to them. It was almost like he was keeping them on staff to spite people as opposed to doing it or basically just to refuse to admit that he had made mistakes in hiring them slash keeping them on staff and in several coaches. And he doesn't talk to him anymore from what I understand. And it, it, I think it said something that, that he took so little staff with him to A&M. Here's another thing for you, right? They had such good success putting kids in the NFL out of those first three classes. And, and the 2013 class too, definitely had some. I, I do think there's an issue, though, right? Because Jimbo wanted to be friends with every kid and save every kid, he he kind of had a lack of of stick, right? He would he would yell at him, but he wouldn't actually cut him, and he wouldn't actually take away playing time very often. And you have to have carrot and stick as motivational tools. If the motivational tool is NFL, 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 come here, go to the league. That is a great individual motivating tool but what does that do for the player that gets on campus and just like all right cool man i'm, I'm a college football player i'm I, I get to bang chicks um you know i i i i get you know pretty decent place to live i i get unlimited meals how do you motivate that player if your primary motivation is nfl if that kid all, like doesn't seem to have the work ethic to go to the nfl okay that's tough but also because nfl 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 if you don't recruit enough players who are natural leaders, this NFL mentality, I think, does sort of self-select for players who are very individualistic, which there's nothing wrong with that. You should be focused on yourself and going to the NFL. But in promoting this NFL, NFL, NFL thing, there's no incentive for that good player to try to bring up, or there's no primary incentive. There's certainly ancillary incentives. There is no primary incentive for that elite player to knock on that that poor player or that lazy player's door and say, hey, man, we got workouts. Let's go. And this is something we discussed after the 2013 season. And we said, okay, they're still going to have a lot of physical talent on this team. Who are your, your new leaders? Who are your LaMarcus Joyner, your Telvin Smith? Those type of players who would knock on doors, who, who would – who would hold teammates accountable because those guys were not recruited under the go to the NFL mentality. That was certainly part of the pitch, but a lot of it was let's make Florida state respected again, right? Let's let, let's, let's make this place special again. Let's win something. I think a lot of guys were, who were focused on NFL, I'm going to get mine. Right. And we did see this attitude coming out as it was crumbling uh, in, in 2016, 2017. It, guys would post on Instagram 
you know, yeah, we lost, but but look, look at my stats. I'm still going to get mine. Hashtag NFL bound. I mean, like multiple guys were putting that kind of stuff up. It was an interesting window into the motivational and incentive process that, that I think uh, was flawed and was sort of a newer newer incentive model that was not really there, I would say, 2010 to 2012. I, I don't know what you think about that. It's just kind of a, a pet theory of mine that I've been thinking about. No, I mean, I think there's a, a certainly a lot of <clears throat> legitimacy to that. And uh, you like you have to have a an evolution of, of the process. And um, I don't really think that they ever kind of evolved with the, the roster and the kids that they were bringing in. And, and you didn't. Uh, I'll give Jimbo Fisher credit, uh, did a great job getting LaMarcus Joyner. And then uh, I think peak Jimbo, best Jimbo was uh, on the recruiting trail was him fighting off the Georgia Mafia uh, on signing day and, and ended up getting Telvin Smith. Obviously, he knew the player he was getting, didn't necessarily know the leader that he was getting in, to the full extent. And uh, once you had kids like that cycle off your roster, um, the – the approach never changed or the like it, there were times where you could self police from a from a roster standpoint and then there were times you needed to be more involved in uh in kind of the the layout of of uh, what you had on campus and and probably needed to call kids a little bit more and be more active in in shaping the the own culture of your program and i don't think that transformation ever really took place exactly like you- you can't want to try to save every kid, right? And you have to be able to kick off some kids who are lazy or who don't go to class or who are not only bad actors themselves, but like actively encouraging other kids to be bad actors. And the the pairing of it, – it just created an overly individualistic culture, which is not completely compatible with your goal of winning games. It's totally compatible with putting guys in the NFL, which they continue to do. But they did. But relative to that, their their winning percentage was not uh, was not as high as it needed to be. And I think you can very very well argue that they did not maximize their talent uh, in many of these successive seasons. So they also, I, I don't think, I don't think they recruited enough leaders. Looking back on this, and, and you know, I I did not say this at the time, so this is totally hindsight bias by me. Some of their leaders, I think, some of the guys in these classes, kind of that like 13, 14, 15, 16 classes, who I think would have been leaders, um, they, they were some of the guys who also got hurt, which we'll talk about in a minute. But, man, like it's hard to be a leader if you if you never play. You know, you can't really lead from the bench is something Jimbo said, which I largely agree with. And, unless you're like one of these guys who's had a great career like in a, in a pro sport or something and you're a respected veteran reserve. But in, in college, you don't really have that. You need some of your better players to be your leaders. And some of your better players were quiet kids. And some of your guys who I think could have been, um, you know, good leaders ended up getting hurt a lot. And some of the ones who were your quote-unquote leaders weren't really respected, you know, like Everly. We know kids laughed at him behind his back, you know, it, it, like because like he wasn't a good player. Um, all right. I also feel like they really got high on their own supply as far as thinking that the hit rate they had was sustainable. And, and I believe that that led to a, an imbalance of floor and ceiling 
in their recruiting. Okay. I don't know if you guys play DFS, Daily Fantasy, but there's a lot of these projection models out there, and I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. This is not a, a not a tangent. You have your ceiling projection, you have your floor projection, and you have your mean projection. And that's relevant because of the type of contest you play in. You know, if you're trying to win an overall prize, you need to go ahead and take you know take on a lot a lot of ceiling and hope that it hits, realizing that that your your hit rate's going to be low most days, but occasionally it'll hit. If you go all floor, you're, you're going to get crushed as well. It's best to be kind of in the mean if you're playing a variety of contest styles. So maybe some head-to-heads or, or whatever. I think that because Florida State had such good success developing kids, hitting on the, a really unsustainably high, in my opinion, number of kids that they signed between 2010 and 2012-2013-ish, that they looked at kids... And they saw basically only the upside, and they really believed they could get that peak upside out of each and every kid. In my opinion, and we did say this at the time, so this is not me, you know, acting pompous. Like we actually talked about this a lot uh, because I'm, I'm into that kind of thing, projections and evaluations. Their approach was too high variance and unnecessarily risky. They did not get enough players who were simply good football players. Currently, a lot of these guys they signed were not great football players, but you could see the upside was sky high. And they really bet on the ceiling. And they, I think they got high on their own supply, man, of, of their their hit rate, which was partially luck and partially awesome skill that they had they had demonstrated early on in their, their coaching staff's careers. It was also a different staff come 2014 than it was in 2010, 2011. Now, I say that because I think that approach – is not real smart anyway, but it is extremely bad when you pair it with with, with a bunch of lame duck kind of into their career coaches that Florida State had on this staff for two to three years there at the end, right? You had a lot of guys who were checked out, who didn't care, who had substance abuse issues on on, on the staff, uh, not really involved and, and, and dedicated. So when you got a ton of guys who have high upside but very low floor who need a whole bunch of development, and then you pair them with the staff that's real bad at development, which is kind of what they did in the second half. That's kind of how you get to where you only have two dudes drafted after signing a bunch of four and five stars. Does that, does that make sense? Like I just so many of these guys, I'm like man, awesome upside, but wasn't really developed. Yeah, I think it does make a lot of sense, and there's a lot of. Um, <clears throat> it's just interesting to look at this and see the role that luck plays into it. Um, you you were exceptionally lucky in how many hits you were able to get you were also exceptionally lucky um with able to with the ability to fill other positions in what i would call maybe indirect recruiting and that ended up working out for you really well at one particular position group um as a, as i sit here and think about it i also wonder bud if you weren't lucky and let me see how i can say this um so in the original staff 1.0, there was a head coach who had uh, some real uh, – not a head coach, excuse me, a position coach who had some real issues, and those issues started to become a detriment in his ability to uh, be an effective coach. He ended up having a, a, a public situation that got to the extent where you were able to dismiss him, and I'm not sure Jimbo Fisher would have done that otherwise – and some of these other coaches that had uh, particular issues 
with the exception of uh, of Vic, didn't maybe have a a public failing that maybe forced him to to cycle a coach off the staff. Just something I sit here and look at when we when we talk about the issue of luck in general and some of uh, Jimbo's unfailing loyalty to other people that made up his staff and kind of that lame duck end of career period that you talked about there. Which is very interesting because if you contrast what happened with Vic with uh, what happened with the, the, the other guy, the Vic thing was much more public. Much more, yeah. And yet he was unwilling unwilling to make a change there. And I think that that does uh, show sort of his mentality at, at the time. Uh, and it, it there was a trickle-down effect. We also need to talk a little about cluster luck. And I, I know you mentioned this. Do, do you guys know what cluster luck means? Because if you don't, I, I'm going to explain this real quick. I, I actually had a conversation with, with my wife about this last night. Cluster luck is the idea. Let me let me see if I can just find a definition for you, I and mean, maybe I'll explain it better. Than I can imagine the the joy of being married to Bud Elliott, getting to getting to hear things like cluster luck over the dinner conversation. Yeah. So, okay. So, basically, I'm trying to find a good definition. I'll. Yeah, I, I think she's very much like, you know, not uh, poor not poor Maggie luck. sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So cluster luck is it, 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 the, the term comes from Trading Bases, which is a book by, by Joe Pita, who's a former Wall Street trader. Uh, and essentially, it's you can have a very standard rate of events. OK, so like you're like, yeah, that, that's about average. However, if they are all clustered together, then it can produce an unnatural or sort of outlier outcome. So for instance, let's say that I told you that Florida State was going to get 21 first downs in a game. Ingram, when would you want those 21 first downs to come? Because I would want them all to happen in in the span of like four drives. Okay. Because that, that to me is like four drives where I'm getting five first downs or or five drives. Because because I'm probably going to score 30 plus points on that. In baseball, You've, we've all yeah, heard the term. That's where I was going to take it. I think baseball is the best best example of this. You know, did, did you scatter nine hits, or did you did you have not did you allow nine hits in a game, but the, all nine hits came in the same inning? You can also apply cluster luck, honestly, to to injuries. And I, I think here we see there they had some extremely bad cluster luck at two positions, which uh, we're still feeling the ramifications of, or the reverbs of a little bit here today, but less so. Linebacker, for instance, Ukeme Olegwe dismissed. Reggie Northrup blew his knee up. Matthew Thomas, some of both. Levin, not dismissed, but discipline and uh, academics and um, injuries. EJ Levenberry, injury and transfer. Freddie Stevenson moved to fullback. Kane Dobb, dismissed, as we talked about. Delvin Purifoy, major, major injury immediately. Kilby Lane, dismissed. Lorenzo Phillips, only got one year of eligibility. Josh Brown, some injuries and you know other stuff. Emmett Rice, some injuries already. Shavar Emanuel didn't qualify. If they could have spread that injury luck out a little bit to some other positions, I think they could have better absorbed that and been a better team over the last two years. Unfortunately, they had some major clustering of it at, at, at linebacker. Offensive line uh, as well. Let, less discipline issues at offensive line as far as like, you know, problem kids. But they have had some really weird cluster luck there, and also at quarterback. Now, granted, quarterback is a smaller sample because you only sign, on average, one kid a year. 
Um, although Willie Taggart has recently <laughs> bucked that trend. Uh, but they had three quarterbacks signed over two classes who were dismissed and then one transferred in Hockman. That's that's a really high rate of of attrition at the quarterback position. And I do think that it's it behooves us to be cognizant of the concept of cluster luck when evaluating how a team is doing, how they're recruiting, how they're developing, um, because other positions have stayed, you know, very healthy, right? Receiver, for instance, uh, has stayed incredibly healthy, and I know it's a non-contact position or, or non, non-collision position perhaps, but uh, I, it's just something I, I noticed as I was reading that over. It was one of the things that popped in my head. I was like, man, this is, this is some pretty wild cluster luck here at, uh, at linebacker and at offensive line and at quarterback. Kind of Forrest Gump in this, but that's kind of all I have to say about that. <laughs> well, it was uh, it was it was cluster luck. It was unfortunate uh, decisions, and it was a little bit of pride slash hubris, and all those paired together uh, gives you a good idea as to how you you started off so successful in recruiting, and how by the final two classes of. Uh, it was a, you know, it, was, it wasn't a 50-50. It was, it was below that. So um, some of it's luck, some of it's decision-making, and, and some of it's kind of the broader ancillary pieces that you chose to surround these players with. Absolutely. So uh, five stars if you guys enjoyed this. Um, I know it's kind of nerdy. I know it's something that, heck, I don't even know if it was best for a podcast format. I, I think it was. Um, I think it was probably – Sometimes we think these shows we did are really great and then they're just decent. Sometimes we think they're just decent and we get a ton of great feedback on it. But going forward, I think this is also valuable because we, we do use terms like ceiling and floor a lot on this show and we talk about talent level and, and development and leadership. And they are doing a better job of getting in good leaders. I, I think the last two classes, specifically if you were to pull them up, right? There's already a lot of guys in, in those classes who we can identify as as quality, quality character people who don't seem to get in trouble a lot. Not everybody, but a lot of them. And then in the last class, 2019 class, I, I think so as well. They're definitely rebuilding the floor as far as getting guys who are, are currently good football players. Maybe they don't have incredible upside, but but like we know they're, that they're not guys who need three and four years to be anything decent. So there is some sort of talent injection going on. My questions about the ultimate ceiling of some of the players, that those still remain. But uh, if you're doing a rebuild and your primary issue has been way too much ceiling and not enough floor, addressing it with some floor does seem to make sense. At some point, you also need to inject some ceiling. That would probably be a good thing to do in 2021 if they uh, are able to have a decent year this year. You got anything else? No man, that was a that was a, a real good look back and something that uh, we'll kind of splice in throughout the summer as we have a have a little bit of off season content to fill and try to uh, try to just give you guys as, as good of an understanding as to what the future looks like and maybe what we can learn from the past as we as we project forward. All right, uh, and if y'all are listening to this, uh, hit me hit me up on Twitter with uh, things to do in Savannah if it's raining. We're going on our little baby moon and. Uh, yeah, it looks like it might be raining there this weekend. So, like, cool indoor stuff to do that doesn't involve drinking because, obviously, baby moon. Enjoy yourself. Have a good time. Uh, thank you, as always, to anybody that 
uh, chooses to ingest our product, uh, certainly appreciate the support that we receive uh, over time and uh, a lot of great feedback, as we mentioned at the top from the Booster episode. And if there's anything you'd like for us to touch on that particular subject matter in the future, uh, let us know. And if at all appropriate, we will make every attempt to do so.